I don't wanna be just someone that's new. I speak my mind so free, so you could hear the truth. Yeah, no. Hey guys, welcome back to the Truth For Youth podcast with Micah Murphy. We are going to continue our series on cults and world religions. But before I do that, let me just say happy one year anniversary to the Truth For Youth podcast. I've been doing this for a year now. It's been a great year. So I'm looking forward to this second year of kicking it off and continuing speaking truth to teenagers, but again, it's not just for teenagers, not just for youth. I hope there's adults, whether that be parents, maybe it's young 20s listening to this in college, maybe it's older adults, maybe it's grandparents. I think everyone can benefit because it is biblical truth, and we all can benefit from some biblical truth. All right, so back into our world religion. Again, my disclaimer, (laughs) I am not an expert in all these religions. I have studied them, um, some more than others, but I'm giving you a basics, okay? I'm giving you just a, uh, you know, the, some of the key points, key points that I think you should know about religions, whether, you know, they're a world religion or they're a cult, whatever you want to classify them as, philosophies, some people will say. But I think you need to know these key points so that you have a better understanding of what these religions, philosophies, again, whatever you want to call them, where they stand, and then how does that apply to Christianity? Again, hopefully you find some of these really interesting and you want to dive deeper into them. Great. There's plenty of resources. I mean, you can obviously get on the internet. You can go find books, um, videos, YouTube. I mean, there's all sorts of resources available for you to get more information. I would encourage you to, to look at multiple sources, though. I mean, obviously, If you limit yourself to just one source, it may be a biased opinion. So make sure that your source has, it's credible and has multiple uh, other sources that back up the facts or the evidence within those sources. All right, so today we're going to look at an interesting uh, religion called Scientology. Now, this one kind of got popularized, I think, at least it got on my radar when some famous people started getting into it. You know, names like Tom Cruise, John Travolta, Christy Alley, you know, some of these bigger actors when I was younger, you know, like high school, college, um, and even after college, when, when some of them started kind of coming out as being a part of this church of Scientology, it kind of got on the radar and it kind of grew in popularity. Honestly, I don't I don't think it's as popular as it once was. Um, this is my opinion. I think a lot of that is because of so much information that has been leaked out of the Church of Scientology, whether it be people that have left or uh, just people finding out information that Scientology didn't really want released, has been released, or people are claiming against the uh, the religion. And I think ever since then, I, I just don't think it's as popular. I, still believe there's a lot of people involved. It's still a a large organization, but I don't think it's quite as popular as it once was. Again, that's my opinion. All right, so let's get into it. Again, one of our key points, where did this religion come from? Who's the key figure? Where, you know, who's the founder? Well, in this case, it's not one of these ancient religions that we can't even really figure out because it dates back to early BC India, 
like the last ones we've been talking to, but this one was actually founded by a guy named L. Ron Hubbard. And here's what we know about L. Ron Hubbard. He lived from 1911 to 1986. He was known as being a science fiction writer. That's right. The founder of this religion was a author of science fiction. And not just a little bit of science fiction. This man wrote a ton of science fiction. I think he's in the, uh, the Guinness's Book of World Records for the most um, books published or science fiction books published. I do know that he went through a, um, a two-year span, I think. Let me see if I can find it. Maybe it's a five-year span. From 1933 to 1938, okay, so that five-year span, you want to take a guess about how many science fiction and adventure books, novels that he wrote? 138, 138 books in a five-year span, and they were all these crazy science fiction adventure stuff, all right? So, again... He's got a big imagination, all right? And you're going to kind of see this in some of the, the claims here and, and the beliefs of this. So, again, what do we really know about him? Um, other than, you know, he was born in 1911. He was a science fiction writer. Well, these are some of the things that he has claimed, okay? And, and some of these things cannot really be verified. But um, he claims that he graduated in civil engineering from George Washington University as a nuclear physicist, but university records show he attended for two years, was on academic probation, and he failed physics. He also said that he had a PhD from Sequoia University in California, but there is no proof of existence of any accredited institution in California by that name that grants doctorates. So he pretty much never earned any kind of college degree, which not a huge, huge deal, right? There's plenty of really successful people and uh, brilliant people that never completed uh, college. But because he claimed those, that's a red flag. What else has he claimed? Uh, he was in the military, uh, but he claims that he was a World War II hero who miraculously cured himself from nearly fatal combat wounds, but records show he never saw combat. Um, he was discharged in 1946, and I've heard stories where he like fired a missile upon a, a submarine that no one could ever find that even existed. And so I think he was kind of a loose cannon a little bit, maybe just couldn't really be trusted. So anyways, uh, he was discharged in 1946. And he was granted a 40% disability pay for arthritis and conjunctivitis and a few other issues. And he continued to collect this pay long after he claimed to have discovered the secret on how to cure these ailments and these issues. Again, a little bit of a red flag. Um, 
he also had some interesting um, lifestyle choices. He, he was a mentor, or his mentor was a guy named Alester Crowley. And if you look into this guy, he, he is uh, he's a, a kind of a sketchy dude, okay? Um, some say he was a satanic worshiper. Um, there's also ties that he created his own religion as well. Perhaps maybe that's why uh, Hubbard decided to start his own religion. Maybe he had the influence of this guy, but um, he, he spent a good bit of time with Crowley and even lived with him and engaged in things like sex magic and black magic and and all sorts of, of stuff. And I'm not going to go into detail and all that, but it was a pretty... Uh, pretty wild stuff that he was involved in and he and Crowley were in together. So he's not running really with the best crowds. Um, but anyways, all right. So again, he, he's writing all these books, right? Well, he writes this self-help book in 1950 called Dianetics, the modern science of mental health. All right. And it was intended to be a psychotherapy to deal with these unwanted sensations and emotions and irrational fears and, and illnesses that were caused by stress. You know, I guess he himself was dealing with some of these things and thought, you know what, I'm going to figure out a cure. I'm going to write a book on it. And, and so that's kind of was what this was meant to be, just a self-help book, things that he maybe found to, to work. Well, he used a technique that he called auditing, and it was to be used as a counseling technique to enable conscience recall of traumatic events in that individual's past, okay? And these, these traumatic events that happen in, in your past, uh, he termed them engrams. Again, he's really created his own vocabulary. I mean, some of the words that he uses, he just, he just created. He just gave them a name and, and ran with it. Um, so that's one of the things, again, the auditing is this process where you are kind of doing these counseling techniques to discover these engrams, these past, um, traumatic events that are still present in your body. And so you're trying to release these things and trying to get rid of them. Um, so anyways, Hubbard believed that, uh, it would increase spiritual awareness and give physical benefit if you could get rid of these engrams. So how do you get rid of these engrams? You know, they're, they're causing all these harm in the body. Well, he creates a gadget, a mechanism to do this. And once again, he gives it a name. He calls it an E-meter. And if you see one of these things or hear, it, it really is pretty similar to a polygraph, right? You hold these two metal rods or handles and it supposedly sends these electrical vibes and sensations through your body. And the minute you have these traumatic thoughts, it registers on this e-meter. And so by doing this, I guess, over and over, it will kind of detect them and help you get rid of them. I'm not real sure, um, but that's kind of what the e-meter is, and that's kind of what the e-meter does. So, okay, so he writes the book in 1950, and it's supposed to be a self-help book. Well, he decides that in 1952, so two years later, he decides that it needed to become a religion and have a church, which he's also quoted in 1978 
um, well, in a, in a, it was actually quoted in a Los Angeles Times, 19, the August 1978 edition. This was his quote. Writing for a penny a word is ridiculous. If a man really wanted to make a million dollars, the best way to do it would be to start his own religion. Hmm. <laughs> it's a pretty interesting statement there, Hubbard. Um, now, I'm sure, sure that, that money was not a... Uh, uh, you know, a factor in creating this religion. Surely not, right? Surely it's, a, you know, it's a free religion that people can come and get help. Mm, no. All right, so let's let's look at some of the key beliefs here. Again, it's going to be a little strange, but, but kind of stick with me. He says there's this person, okay, Xenu, uh, who is the galactic confederacy dictator who 75 million years ago brought billions of his people to earth in a spacecraft and he stacked them all around various volcanoes here on earth and then he set off these hydrogen bombs inside the volcanoes to kill them all all right and these immortal spirits within these aliens, um, he, and again, he gives them the, a, a name. So the immortal spirits are called Thetans. And so these Thetans, these immortal spirits, were now able to become humans. Okay, so these aliens adhered to humans, and they caused them like spiritual harm. All right, so it's, I'm not real sure. Okay, so that's, it's interesting, but that's kind of where this all starts, right? Now, um, <laughs> again, it's just some bizarre stuff here. Now, Hubbard is is talking about all this, but here's the here's the interesting thing: when you study Scientology, you study the people that are in this. Majority of Scientologists have no idea about that statement that I just read. Have no clue. Why? Because it's not discussed. It's secret information that you don't find out as a Scientologist until you reach a certain level. You have to work your way up. Hmm. Why would you have to work your way up? I mean, wouldn't you just believe in this religion and, and all of a sudden now you're, you're part of the religion? No, no. There's a little more to it. So here's the process, okay? Um, so you have to like steadily grow. You have to steadily improve as you're learning about this uh, these engrams in your body and you're learning to audit yourself and you're learning to kind of improve um, through the process, all right? So if you can do all that, like if you can use this e-meter and you go to these counseling sessions and you're able to, to clear, that's one of the words they use, clear all these engrams and you get 
get rid of them, you enter a total new level of Scientology called the bridge to total freedom. All right, so the bridge to total freedom allows you to become an operating thetan. Now that thetan, again, was that little spirit, okay, whatever, that kind of lives on forever, which, again, they kind of believe in reincarnation, but whereas reincarnation allows you to come back as any kind of, you know, animal or being, the the process for Scientologists believe it's, you're just going to come back as another human. You're not going to come back as an animal or, you know, some other weird, weird thing. All right, so the goal is to continue to, to kind of do that and become this operating thetan. Thetan. Now, you, you go through these self-audits, right? It's a process, and there's eight levels of them. And guess what? Each level costs some money. Oh, maybe back to that statement that Hubbard made about making money, perhaps. Well, it's not just a little bit. It's thousands of dollars. And some have even said it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, you can go watch some documentaries. Um, and there's a, there's a famous actress. She was on The King of Queens, Leah um, Rimini. And she escaped Scientology. And so she's very vocal about the organization. And she was in it from a child, like growing up in it. And so she has tons of knowledge and tons of experience in it. And she said the majority of the people, they, they work and all their money, they live a very, you know, humble and very, you know, minimal life just because they're trying to spend every penny that they earn on Scientology because they're constantly trying to get to the next level and you constantly have to pay for these courses. And she said, you may, you may, get through a course and then they just decide, oh, you've got to restart. You've got to back down and do another level again. So it's, it's, it's a lot, a lot of money. Um, so hundreds of thousands of dollars, she says, is, is, you know, nothing unusual. All right. But now here's, here's one thing that you can get around spending some of the money. If you become a full-time employee, then you get to do it for free. But you sign a contract, not a one-year contract, not a five-year contract, not a 10-year contract. Guys, you sign a $1 billion, with a B. No, I didn't say million. I said a billion. A $1 billion year. Hmm? Yeah. $1 billion year contract saying that you've got to Stay with them and be an employee for a billion years. Why a billion years? We're not going to live to be a billion years. Again, they believe you're going to keep coming back as another individual. And so every new life that you come back as, you've got to come back and be an employee of the Church of Scientology, and you have to work for them. They have their own compound. They have various places. Um, and, and most of them said that, I mean, like Leah, that, um, left, she said it was horrible conditions, like cockroaches, curtains falling down, just nasty. But, you know, you're living in that type of facility 
and you're just working. You're serving the church, and then, of course, the leaders are all living pretty pretty lush lives. But anyways, um, and then, of course, they have a separate section for celebrities. They have a really nice facility that only celebrities get to be a part of. So it looks pretty, in hearing about it, it's, it's a lot different experience if you're someone famous than if you're just the normal Joe off the street. Your experience within Scientology and what you're allowed to kind of do and not do, um, I think is a little bit dependent on on who you are, right? How much influence you have and how popular you are. Um, all right, so let's let's get back into some of the beliefs here. All right, so, you know, yes, they believe in the Thetans, the, the immortal spirits that, it, you know, that came from these aliens and attached to humans and kind of you keep living on. Um, they, they do believe, so what do they believe about Jesus? Okay, well, they actually believe that Jesus, along with Moses and Muhammad and Buddha, they were all just good spiritual leaders of the past. Which, again, goes back to my point that I make a million times to my students. Jesus can't be just a good dude. He can't be just a good spiritual leader because he claimed he was the only way to God. All right, so if you believe his teachings, then you have to believe that he is the Messiah, that he is the only one. So if you don't believe that, you believe he's either a liar or he was a lunatic, right? He was a crazy man. But he's got to be one of the three. He's either Lord, he's a liar, or he's a lunatic. There's no in-between. There's no, he's just a good prophet. He was a good spiritual leader. No. If he was a good leader and a good spiritual leader or prophet, guess what? That means he was also the Messiah. You have to believe that. Other than that, you believe he's a liar or a lunatic. So, um, Scientology, I'm sorry, he, he cannot be that. And when the same would go with all these others. I mean, how can you believe you know, Muhammad and Buddha and all these others because they contradict themselves. But anyways, he just throws them all in the category and says, you know what, they're all good spiritual leaders. Um, they, uh, they served a purpose to help people realize that there is a spiritual side to existence. All right, so what's your goal in life? You know, what are they shooting for? What are they striving to be? Well, like I mentioned, they're striving to get rid of all these in engrams. They're, they're striving to live a better life, a more fulfilled life, and work their way up in, in the church of Scientology and work their way up through the processes. So the goal of life is just to increase your ability to survive, to live a happier life. Um, you know, I saw an interview of Hubbard, and that's what he was talking about. He's like, man, you, you, all these people are always complaining about this or wanting that or wanting this, and you know, they're, they're crippled by their fears or their stress and he says you know by doing all this you get rid of all that and you can live a happier more fulfilled life um there's some truth to some of that but the process and his end goal does not line up with christian truth so again his his thing is you know what your goal is to live a happier healthier life and you go through an endless cycle of life over and over and over. And since Hubbard is dead, it's kind of interesting because we don't hear about him anymore. Surely someone came back and claims that he's 
Hubbard in a previous life. I don't know. Maybe they don't have memories. I don't know exactly what all they believe about that, but he's dead. And um, so nothing special happened as far as I know with his death. But again, if you're interested in learning a little bit more, there, there's several documentaries. I, I watched a video because, uh, again, I studied Scientology when I was in seminary. It was one of the religions that kind of focused in on. And I actually went to a church of Scientology in Orlando and went to a church service. Boy, let me tell you, it was, uh, it was very interesting. I took my mom with me and... Um, it was very odd. It was small, like I was thinking the church of, it was like the official church of Orlando. And I thought, man, this will be huge. It was very, very small, few random, strange people in there. We just, there was this massive book on a table that this guy read from for, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 minutes. Just, I didn't understand really what he was saying. And then we just kind of did this meditation thing for the majority of the time. Um, very, very bizarre, made some moans and groans and anyways. Um, but I also have a DVD that's called Escaping Scientology. And it's this lady that very in depth of her experience with Scientology, how she got into it, her and her husband, where she lived, she was actually on lived. She signed one of these contracts, right? Was living on one of their campuses kept trying to escape. They were, they would kidnap her back. I mean, it's, it's brutal. It's strange. Um, and then obviously, uh, Leah Remini, she has her story out there. I think it may be on Netflix or Amazon Prime or somewhere, but her documentary is out there. So you, there's a lot of other documentaries if you want to hear more of the stories, but from the stories that I've heard, it's a very manipulating, um, trapping, blackmailing, pretty mean organization. Um, and some say the only reason they're even a religion is because of the tax benefits, you know, being a nonprofit. And I think the IRS was even tied up in a 25-year legal battle over this. But Scientology eventually won out as a religion. But anyways, so guys, that's, that's the basics. That's the highlights of it. Um, you know, again, if you want to find more out about this religion, be sure to, to kind of look, you know, do your homework, but find some credible sources of, of the information, not just a single person's biased opinion. But I hope you're learning. I hope you've got a little bit of value out of this. Understand the religion a little bit more than at least you did before you listened to the podcast. And as always, guys, I really appreciate you listening. And if you have not Man, leave that review on iTunes. Share the podcast with someone that you think would get benefit from it. It would mean a ton to me. And guys, that's it for today's podcast, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye-bye. I don't want to be just someone that's new. I speak my mind so free so you could hear the truth. Yeah, I know that we're